0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And we're going to get into it this week, folks. This is really a fascinating topic of infighting, politics, embarrassment, lack of leadership, you name it. We've got the blue-white game coming up on Saturday And it would be great to be sitting here talking about football and competition, position battles, all of these things. But really, the most interesting and probably even most important story of the last handful of days or week or so for Penn State football is the infighting and the lack of leadership that has been on display with officials within the university that you would think, would all have the football program's best interests at heart, but that we really have to question if that truly is the case. Now, I'm going to start here with Jay Paterno, and I'm just going to make a statement. This is just a general statement that I have about Jay Paterno in general, the way I've felt about Jay for a decade, even longer when he was still a football coach. Jay Paterno... Was born on third base, as the saying goes. He really never had to accomplish anything in his life other than being a paterno, which put him in situations and has and continues to put him in situations that he can benefit from his last name. Now, I'm going to start there because while I have long been critical of Jay. For many reasons, I don't necessarily think Jay is completely in the wrong with the things I'm going to talk about here. Now, that may come as a very uh, come uh, as as a very unusual thing for for me to say, given my history and things I've written and said about Jay Paterno. Now, I'm going to switch to Brandon Short, and Brandon Short had fascinating comments this past week. Uh, on a podcast with Tyler Donahue from two four seven from lines two four seven, um, just talking about the the lack of unification within the university leadership with regards to goals, how to meet football goals, things like that. Now, folks, I do want to say you need to go listen to the podcast Tyler Donahue did with Brandon Short. It is spectacular. Not only does Brandon Short have a whole lot of very interesting things to say, I'm going to tell you from a media standpoint, it's probably the best Penn State interview I've ever heard by a media member in Tyler Donahue in the questions that he asked, the tone he asked the questions, uh, the importance, uh, staying on top of what Brandon Short was saying, following up with relevant questions. I've done thousands of interviews in my life on the radio um and I like to think I'm a pretty decent interviewer the way Tyler handled the interview is the best I've ever heard I sent Tyler a message saying that uh and I do feel that way because he was not afraid to broach the the pressing subjects Brandon Short was certainly not afraid to say critical things about various people and so it was a very fascinating interview and I I came out of that interview thinking, what the hell's wrong with Jay Paterno? Okay, but at the same time, I took a step back. I talked to some people, several people. I I read a lot about Jay. Jay posted something on jaypaterno.com. And quite frankly, I understood a lot of where he was coming from, not all. And I'll get to some more of that in just a second. But basically, this comes down to, A political story. This is a political pissing match between these leaders at Penn State University, and it impacts the football program in a highly significant way. Now, Brandon Short makes just incredibly strong accusations in the interview with Tyler Donahue. He talks about James Franklin took the Rose Bowl Bowl trophy. To a a meeting where board of trustees members were there and two board of trustees members refused to shake his hand, according to Brandon Short. That is absolutely appalling. We can only assume and Brandon did not name the names, but we can only assume one is Jay Paterno. The other is Anthony Lebrano. Those are the two most notable board of trustee members, the alumni elected elected, trustees. Board of Trustee members, and they have an agenda which is clear. Their agenda is to do anything and everything forever and eternity to try to right um the wrongs that they feel took place with Joe Paterno's legacy and and the, the statue and tarnishing the legacy and all of those things. I think Jay Paterno's existence is is about clearing his dad's name. First and foremost, even more important to him than anything about Penn State University. And that's been my problem with Jay. I think Jay's number one priority is clearing his dad's name. Number two, sure, maybe it is Penn State University in some ways, and I'll get to more on that. But then I don't know where his priorities are for Penn State football or for James Franklin. So Brandon Short levels these accusations that two board of trustees members refuse to shake James Franklin's hand. That is absurd. That is beyond ridiculous, okay, if it's true. Now, we can only assume that Brandon Short is not making this up, but at the same time, and I'm going to say this, and, and I know Brandon has the support of a lot of football folks because most of the decisions it does seem like he makes are in regards to benefiting the football program, and that's what you're listening to this podcast for. You care about Penn State football. So I'm going to take Brandon Short's words at face value that these Board of Trustees members maybe don't have James Franklin. Uh, that the, the, He's not necessarily as big of a priority for them, or maybe they have an agenda. I do kind of wonder, because I'm cynical this way when it comes to politics, and there is a Board of Trustees election coming up, and Jay Paterno is running, and Brandon Short wants Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano off the Board of Trustees, that is clear. He is he is supporting others. So sometimes I do wonder how much the politics are coming into play. And while I can value and trust what Brandon Short says, and I do believe him, I really do. At the same time, I do not believe 100 percent face value anybody on this planet, really, because there is always some level of, of an agenda. There's always something to do with. Personal thoughts, hard feelings. I think I think Brandon Short probably has a lot of hard feelings about Jay Paterno that maybe go way back and don't necessarily have a whole lot to do maybe with today or or anything recent, but only they know. So Brandon's talking about the lack of lack of support by the NIL, by Success with Honor, which was co-founded by Jay Paterno for Penn State football. And this is where everybody that loves Penn State football is really going to get up in arms and fired up about this because it's easy to latch on to the notion of the university should do everything they can to support football. And I do believe that. I absolutely believe that because football is the biggest thing at the university. And so it's easy to use that as a lightning rod if people don't necessarily agree to do every single thing in the world to support football, or they maybe vote against spending money on football, as Jay Paterno did for the Lash building upgrades a few years ago. OK, so now this is where all this gets very, very complicated and why politics in general are complicated. I've already stated I really have no time for Jay Paterno, and I've already stated that I do believe and take what Brandon Short said at face value that maybe these Board of Trustees members, which we assume are Jay and Anthony LeBrono, were dismissive and, and did not show enough respect for James Franklin because I, I, I believe that's probably been the case for a long time. Okay, but now I'm going to turn this and maybe surprise a lot of you when I say I don't necessarily think Jay Paterno is fully wrong here either. All right. Now, what do I mean by that? If we take a step back from our football focus and fandom, that football is the only thing that matters in the whole world. If we take a step back from that, if you allow yourself to take a step back from that, it is plausible and reasonable to think that perhaps Jay Paterno maybe does have Penn State's best interest at heart more than a lot of people will give him credit for. I got to stop for a second because I never really thought I would make the statement that I'm going to agree with Jay much in any way. But I, I I am willing to give maybe, maybe a little benefit of the doubt here that when he voted against the $48 million for the football upgrades, we were going through a pandemic. Jay wrote in his piece at jaypaterno.com. He didn't think it was necessarily economically uh, intelligent when they were going to be looking at the massive upgrades to Beaver Stadium to be devoting that kind of money to another project. Now, while I believe they should spend pretty much any money they can for football, and you probably believe that as well, it is at least feasible, is it not? To think that, a board of trustees, member, a politician, a le- some kind of leader might be hesitant there. I- I've dealt with politicians and leaders that don't want to spend any money on anything. They'll never raise taxes. They'll never spend any money on anything that will help the community. And they get reelected basically because they don't want to ever raise taxes or anything. And that's been that's their basic political platform. So. Are we to trust that Jay Paterno was truly looking out for the best of Penn State University and and trying to save money here because they're going to need it for later on and that maybe he's trying to look out for all 31 sports at the university is it is it possible that he 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 does have good intent there I I will acknowledge it's possible. Do I fully believe that? Not really, because it goes back to I do think Jay's number one priority is his father's legacy. And I do think that Jay probably is dismissive of James Franklin. And I do think that Jay maybe deep down inside doesn't want to see James Franklin and the football program fully succeed right now because that in some way might tarnish, you know, Joe's legacy to a degree that if James Franklin can come in and win a national championship, which Joe wasn't able to do since 1986, I mean, who knows what's going on in Jay Paterno's mind or the skewed way of thinking? I, I don't know. But what I'm trying to do is present both sides here to you. I, I I can understand how a board of trustees member might not necessarily think that anything and everything that football wants, football should get. For us football folks, you fans, me and the media, I think that's kind of short-sighted because football is really the number one most uh notable and visible thing in this country about Penn State University. Whether it should be or not and it should be about education, that's fine. It should maybe. But in reality, football is the number one most visible thing about the university. So if altruistically somebody truly has uh, the notion that they want to treat all the rest of these 31, 30 other sports equally and give them all opportunities and all that, those things, I do think there is merit in that. And I would, ha- I would have a, a, an easier time believing that a Board of Trustees member might feel that way if it was not Jay Paterno. Okay, because... Again, I'll repeat for a third time, Jay's agendas here, I don't necessarily think line up with the future of the football program 100%. Does every board of trustee member just have to roll over and give James Franklin and the football program everything in the world that they want? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, that, I. Again, I know it's a sports podcast, but I do try to look at the world realistically and think that, you know, Penn State's got other things going on. There are other other uh, sports uh, at the, uh, in the athletic program. There are other things within the university that are very, very important. The university has all kinds of budget cuts going on right now. This came up with a bunch of readers I I, I heard from. How can they give the new basketball coach close to $4 million when they've got all these budget cuts for the university? Hey, I. I actually see validity in that. I, I think there is some merit in that. But that's really more of a societal issue that we tend to place so much emphasis on sports and overlook some of these other things that are quite frankly, vastly more important than sports, but, but that's not necessarily a Penn state issue. The, the Penn state issue that's going on right now is the leadership issue, because you've got a political election coming up. You've got a Brandon short who doesn't want Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano there any longer. You've got Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano, whose number one priority is, is Joe's legacy. And do they want James Franklin to fully succeed and win a national championship? I can't honestly say that I know that for sure that they do. And how preposterous is that? That Board of Trustees members at one of the nation's most premier football programs would not be fully 100% on board with winning a national championship. But that's just kind of how skewed some of these JoeBot factions are in the way that they think. And so, I'm, I'm I, you know, there are a lot of different elements to all of this. It's been a fascinating week. Before you just jump into one side and say, ah, Joe Paterno or Jay Paterno is completely wrong in everything he's saying. And Brandon Short is completely right in everything he's saying. I I don't know that that's a hundred percent accurate or fair or reasonable, because when you were dealing with politics and you were dealing with very complicated issues like we are here, there is more of a middle ground than people want to know. Now, Brandon Short told the story that, when they were on a conference call with Micah Shrewsbury a couple months ago and Micah was looking for more money for NIL and uh, somebody on the call in- interrupted, Brandon made a point to interrupt Micah Shrewsbury and say, we have we have 31 sports and that Micah didn't like that and that Micah felt like there wasn't enough em- emphasis on basketball at that point. He didn't want to be interrupted and he, he wanted a, more of a commitment from the university for basketball. Okay, both of those things can be true too. Penn State needs to commit more to basketball and needed to and needed to commit more to Micah Shrewsbury. But there are 31 sports. And so do you think Micah Shrewsbury honestly cares about the NIL for any other sport at Penn State? No. Why why would he? Okay. well. In fairness to, we think it was Jay Paterno who interrupted, maybe it was someone else, but in fairness to that board of trustees member, maybe that board of trustees member, uh, their priority is to make sure that athletes in all of the other 30 sports are, are, are taken care of in NIL. So you see what I'm getting at here? Every coach wants everything he or she can get. James Franklin wants everything he, he can get. Micah Shrewsbury wants everything he can get. That's what all coaches want. They are, they have, a, they have a bubble mentality of they're going to look inside their own little insular world and they want everything that they can possibly get. Everybody else be damned. And yet. The board of trustees members have to make sure that everybody else is taken care of too. So that's a fascinating, fascinating topic. Did Micah Shrewsbury feel disrespected by, again, if we think it's Jay, P- Sh- Jay Paterno in that? Sure, maybe he did. Is that the reason Micah Shrewsbury left for Notre Dame? I just, I just don't believe it is. Some of you may disagree. Other media members may disagree. I think Micah Got a better deal at Notre Dame. He's got a better program. It's a better job. They're going to be more committed. Notre Dame has always been more committed than Penn State. And Micah probably, this this was part of the, part of the equation, maybe a last straw kind of deal that Micah saw the NIL and didn't want to deal with all of it. But come on. I mean, Penn State basketball has been an afterthought for a long time. It's not up to. Everybody now to just bend over backwards for a basketball coach is as, as good of a job as he did to give him everything in the world that he wants. I keep trying to remind people Penn State was five and nine in the Big Ten. Michael Shrewsbury was failing until he went on one phenomenal three week run. Okay, So why should the university, before the three-week run, follow the timeline here, before the three-week run, why should people at the university be bending over backwards to give Micah Shrewsbury everything in the world that he wanted when his team wasn't getting the job done on the court? Then they have the three-week run, then there's not enough time, then Micah Shrewsbury is going to take off to go to Notre Dame. So just to wrap up this first segment, because there's a lot of moving components here, I'll just simply say this. We're talking about all this leadership nonsense and who's at fault and political stuff. And he said, he said, and refusing to shake a football coach's hand, which is absurd and preposterous, if indeed it did happen. Who are we to fully believe here, though? I don't know that we really can know that. Man, after all that goodness, can we can we talk some football for crying out loud? This is what (laughs) I do have one final thought about that first segment that I want to kind of reiterate here one more time. Uh, The problem that we have had at Penn State for more than a decade since the scandal and anytime anything like this ever comes up is it just takes away from the ability to move on, the ability to focus on sports, the ability to focus on the task at hand. We got the blue white game coming up on Saturday and there's been more talk about NIL and bitching and fighting and all of that stuff than there has been football. And that's, that's a problem. So let's talk some football here. Huge, huge, uh, recruiting news a couple of days ago, Penn state gets the number one player, uh, recruit in the state of Pennsylvania. Quentin Martin from Belle Vernon area high school, a running back slash athlete, number three athlete in the country, number 30 recruit in the country. That's a huge get for James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. You know, when James came in and, One of the first things he said, I was at the press conference. He talked about dominate the state. It's been such a great quote and it's an easy thing to, it's an easy thing to go back on all these years later. And by and large, James Franklin has come in and kicked the crap out of everybody and dominated the state in recruiting right now for the class of 2024. uh, Penn State has three of the top five prospects in the state according to line, uh, according to two, four, seven sports and four of the top ten. Penn State's up to number nine in the country in recruiting uh, for the class of 2024. So that's a huge get uh, with Quentin Martin. And he had some comments out there that said he was told he's going to be given a chance to play running back and then maybe do some other things. We'll we'll see how that goes Uh, when you when you're recruited as an athlete, though. The coaches do want to kind of see what else you can do. In other areas, but that is a big, big get in getting Quentin Martin. I do want to look ahead a little bit to the blue-white game and what I am looking to looking forward to seeing. Uh, and I will make no bones about it. I'm looking forward to seeing Bo, Bo Prabula. I want to see what kind of quarterback Bo Prabula is. We think... That Drew Aller is going to be a superstar. We think that Drew Aller has the cannon for an arm and he, he can do all the things and he's got enough mobility. Maybe he can take off here and there, but he is the prototypical pocket passer. When we talk about the next two years and the window of opportunity to compete for a national championship, it starts with number 15. It starts with Drew Aller. But yet we keep hearing all this about Bo Prabula, and he's getting all these reps. And James Franklin likes to talk about, well, he can do things with his feet, and maybe they can have a package in for Bo Prabula. What I want to see in the Blue Y game is how he throws the football. Now, is he going to be running, you know, highly intricate plays in the, in the offense? No, they're not going to open up the playbook in the spring game. They never do. But I we think I mean, there's only three quarterbacks on the team. And that's uh, three, three scholarship quarterbacks. That's Aller, Bo Prabula, Jackson Smolik. So we're going to see Aller and Bo play a good bit. And I I hope to see Bo throw 20, 25 passes, if not more, because at this stage, uh, not that the, the spring game is the be all end all, but I want to see what his accuracy is like, what his touch is like. Uh, is he, is he getting to the right guy? Um, Those are some things because as as of right now, the question kind of comes up. Is Bo Prabula going to be another Tommy Stevens or Will Levis? When Tommy Stevens and Will Levis were at Penn State, they were viewed as more of the running quarterbacks. Uh, They would give Trace McSorley and Tommy Stevens case or. Sean Clifford in or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Sean Clifford in uh, Will Levis's case, an opportunity to kind of take a playoff or so. They come in and run the ball, show some, you know, show some different things in the offense that way. Well, is that what Bo Prabula is going to be? Is Bo Prabula only going to be the change of pace kind of quarterback? Or if something happens to Drew Aller, can Bo Prabula come in and win a football game or multiple football games, depending on who they're playing? Are, are we going to know that at the blue white game no but we may be getting a little bit more of an indication if that can be the case uh if he looks comfortable as an all-around quarterback not just as a as a runner not just as somebody that you know is going to be coming in for the change of pace or do some kind of different package you you want the package to be the offense you want if you're prepared to play West Virginia or Ohio State, or Michigan, or Michigan State, or somebody else, anybody else, and you're prepared with a game plan, with Drew Aller, how much of that game plan can you continue to carry on with Bo Prabula? Now, James Franklin did talk last week about, hey, you, w- you would have a little bit of a different game plan because they're different people, and I get all that. But still, uh, you know, football, we can't, we're not reinventing the wheel here. If something happens to Drew Aller against Ohio State, Bo Prabula is going to have to come in and move the football. Will Levis did it a few years ago, remember, at at Columbus in that game. And so uh, as we look ahead to what we think we're going to see from the blue-white game, that's – Clearly, the 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 thing I'm looking ahead, forward to seeing the most, just how he handles all of those things. I've mentioned this before. I think I talked about this on a radio show the other day. Uh Bo Pribullo was a three-star quarterback recruit. Yeah, that's not great, but Matt McGloin was a zero-star recruit. Trace McSorley was not recruited by anybody to play quarterback other than James Franklin, and yet those guys went on to play in the NFL. Uh, Trace has started a game in the NFL. McGloin started seven. Are we to be so certain that Drew Aller is the very best quarterback on this team and has the best possible future? <laughs> well, we we think so, but we've probably thought that a lot about a lot of other four or even maybe five-star quarterbacks in the past. Christian Hackenberg, Anthony Morelli, Paul Jones, Kevin Newsom, Rob Bolden. I mean, you you guys know these names, and yet it's Trace McSorley and Matt McGloin who played in the NFL. So, I don't I, I really have not seen much of Bo Prabula. I've read about the high school uh, success and everything that he had. Uh, and, and that's great. And I hope we get to see that. But that's what I want to see out of the blue white game is what kind of all around quarterback is he as opposed to just some running threat. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are podcast. I want to talk about the one and oh mentality versus players openly discussing winning a national championship. I think that's a, a very interesting situation we're in right now. My first year covering Penn State football was 2006. I'll take you back to that year. They were coming off the Orange Bowl victory, but Michael Robinson was gone. They did still have a lot of key players back from that team. Uh, Paul Puzlosny, Derek Williams, some good players. Um, but Michael Robinson was gone. And I remember that whole spring it was my first full spring covering Penn State football. The number of times I heard national championship, uh, I mean, it was just all the time. Every player you go, you go for every event, national championship, this national championship. I, I, I really. Even though it was my first year covering the team, I, I always just kind of rolled my eyes at it because you just lost M Rob. Um Morelli was unproven. And I, I just I just didn't I didn't see anything. I didn't see this team or at that point, oh, six really challenging for a national championship. And they didn't. They went eight and four during the regular season. Uh, went to the bowl game, won that. I believe that was the uh, Outback Bowl. I think that was my first, first bowl game that I covered in 06. Uh and then the next year, same thing. They're all coming back in the spring, talking about oh, we're gonna win a national championship. We're gonna win a national champ championship. They went eight and four again. Uh, won the bowl game. I think that was the Alamo Bowl. And uh now they're nine and four. All right, so. Here's the thing. I I have no problem, believe me. I have no problem with players talking about winning conference championships or winning national championships. It's fine. If you if you are somewhat of a realistic chance and you want to talk about it, that's what that's what young people do. These are college kids. It is different nowadays though. And that's why I thought to hear uh you know Olu Fashano uh on a a, a quote on uh, a tweet that was released this past week, talk about winning a national championship. Jalen Reed mentioned, mentioned it during an interview. Um, Since James Franklin has been here, even when Penn State has had really good teams, you know, we, we didn't know how good they were going to be in 16, but 17, 18, 19. I don't really recall. I don't recall a whole lot of players, just coming flat out and saying we want to win a national championship. Yes, you did hear it. It was I'm not going to say it. you never heard it. We, we did hear it, but they were more established players and they were talking about and they'd kind of been through it, you know, in 2016 and, and maybe there was a decent opportunity. But but by and large, during James, James's career or tenure at Penn State, especially the last number of years, the one and no mentality is all we ever hear. I interview all these players and you ask them about goals and it's like they're all just trained to just give you the most basic answer possible. So you just get a basic answer, a basic answer, a basic answer. You know, one and know we're we're concerned about this week. Uh And that's what you just kind of get used to hearing. So I do think it's interesting that. Penn State's going to be ranked in the top ten in the preseason. Could they have a chance to compete for a playoff? Absolutely. If if Aller's great and everybody develops well, it's possible. I do think twenty twenty four is the year where it's it's much much more likely to get to a playoff and maybe win a national championship. And so again, don't get me wrong. I, I I don't mind the fact that the players are saying it, but this is an issue James Franklin is going to have to take care of. Okay, this is an issue that James Franklin is going to have to make sure. Because there are so many young players in the program. This is the p- component I wanted to, to get to. Yes, they went 11 and two last year. And yes, they won the Rose Bowl. They also didn't beat anybody all year until the Rose Bowl. Okay. I don't necessarily believe the players on this team really have the foggiest idea, any clue what it would take to win a national championship. You follow what I'm saying here? It's one thing to talk about it, and now everybody's going to be, they're going to be talking about it amongst themselves, and there's all this enthusiasm, excitement, as well there should be. But James is now going to have to corral all of that and make sure everybody understands all these sophomores, even guys like Nick Singleton, even guys like Katron Allen, Abdul Carter, uh, Drew Aller. You know, these are guys that they've only been there one year. They hadn't. None of them had beaten a great opponent until the Rose Bowl to think that they're going to, one, get into the playoff. And then, two, all of a sudden beat Georgia or Alabama or whoever in in a playoff to win a national championship. Do, do they, do they fully understand or comprehend what it would take to do that? I, I just, I don't think so. And so that's where the coach, it's not like this is the whole, this is a team with a whole bunch of juniors and seniors that were just oh so close last year. And, and they, they know they lost a, they lost a key game by a, a late score and they know how to get it done. They got to go to Columbus this year. You know who's never been to Columbus for a football game? Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter. All right. So those are the kinds of things that are fascinating, especially with a coach like James Franklin who preaches so much the one and oh mentality. And yet now you got all these young guys that are, that are going to be focused on it and looking forward to it again as they should be. But you got to make sure nobody's putting the cart before the before the horse or or it's Easter Sunday. Nobody's uh, uh, putting all their eggs in one basket because, as James said on Wednesday or yeah, Tuesday, hey, you can talk about it once or twice. Now you got to do every single thing you can every single day to focus on trying to get there to make it happen. And that's going to be an interesting thing, I think, for. Uh, the coaching staff here over the next uh, few months and going into fall camp of, Hey, having the goal is one thing. It's fine to have the, the the loftiest goal out there, but you're, there's a lot of young guys on this team that you don't want them to just, you know, get so caught up in this, this being the only goal that they lose sight of what they've got to do every day to even come close to achieving it. All right, folks, that's going to wrap things up for me this week on the We Are podcast. Drop me a note on here. Anything you want to comment about, shoot me a text or comment on Twitter. uh, Shoot me an email, any of those things. I love the discussion and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week.